Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Boys of 161st Street. Today, episode 23, special episode. I'm joined today with Damon. Yo. Murph. Hi. And myself, Luke Rella. We got a lot of baseball now that it's finally March. But also in March, we got the end of basketball and that big tournament. It's only a week away, a couple weeks away. Yeah, that big tournament. Make sure you head over to Bet Online and open up an account today to get out on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Challenge. Starting March 15th, that's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need multiple hardcore to get out on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, yeah, with the NBA and XFL still going strong, whatever your passion is, Bet Online is a place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure that you use the, pro- the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome to the boys of 161st Street. We are fresh off a trip down to Florida for the spring training game. We saw Yankees-Red Sox. Yankees had a W. That day was a split squad. We had the good news that Garrett Cole was pitching that day, but as you guys know, we told you a couple episodes ago, he was pitching at the wrong field. Anyway, we got to see a few good things, a lot of highlights that we want to go over. But first, before we went there, we had a little golf outing, company golf outing. <laughs> we were so right we, we were so out of place there. Yeah, I was gonna say golf's a strong word. Yeah, no, not, not a lot of golf was going on at that at that country club, which is beautiful place. Though. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. It started. Yeah. It started off as a uh, let's all keep our own scores, and then it was <laughs> oh let's play best balls because we were playing a team, and then it ended up just being fuck it, let's just play the game. Let's see who can happens. hit it the farthest off the tee <laughs> and still be able to find farthest. it. And well, because there, everybody was like a window because we there were a lot of groups of people that were behind us and we didn't want to be a burden to those people. So we tried to go as fast as we can, just rushing our shots and everything. And as you know, in golf, if you rush a shot, no matter how good you are, you're going to be bad. And to start off, we're not good. So we were just shanking them left and right. Didn't buy enough balls. So we're just <laughs> losing balls, recycling them, finding them in the ponds, whatever. In the and yeah, no, it was it was a bad sight. And to start it off before you. before we even got to the place, you and Matt, our other friend, friend who's a Red Sox fan, were at the at the first hole where we thought was the first hole. We went back to go figure out where the hell to go. Couldn't figure out where to go. I'm sitting there, and there's this old lady putting at the putting green. Damon, you weren't there to see this, but the old lady was putting, and. We were asking the guy where to go, and he's like, all right, hold on. Now we're off off track, so we have to wait a little bit. And then somebody else was finishing a tournament game, so we had to wait for them to finish. They were going to go into overtime. <coughs> I don't know what was happening. So I was all flustered. So I accidentally hit the horn <laughs> on the golf club, on the golf cart, and this old lady, I saw her. I don't know if you saw it, Murph, but she just jumped in her place. Which, and I mean, it's obviously all quiet at a golf course. And when you hit a loud horn, it was a way louder horn than was necessary for the size of the golf cart. Too. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was like a like a truck horn, or it sounded like to me it was a truck horn. But anyway, after that, we hopped back on the course, and 
yeah, no, we we rushed through the opening nine and found it was just not a not a place for us. No. Yeah, I mean, speaking, of, I know we're not very good, but holy shit, did you see Mike Trout hit that golf ball oh, yeah. oh <laughs> my a million God. feet away? Well, oh my God, that's funny because that's, oh, go ahead. That's why that's why I didn't want to bring up the whole. Even when you rush your bat, because he stepped right up there, looked back, smiled, and just crushed that thing. Oh my! Well, he just kind of—it uh, was so cool. He kind of ruined my idea. I used to think, and until today, that the reason that I'm so bad at golf is because I played baseball and I just have that, like you know, baseball kind of swing yeah. that just makes me slice as far left as it goes forward. And then he Mike Trout just wrong. completely proved that wrong. And so did Bellinger. I don't know if you saw Bellinger. So it was—it was the Pujols Foundation. Did the top golf outing as like a fundraiser, and it was Bellinger, Justin Turner, and Mike Trout that all hit off the tee. Mike Trout got all the uh, attention there, but Cody Bellinger low key hit a bomb, and I appreciated it because he too is a lefty. Lefty, <laughs> lefty sliced, lefty sliced. The lefty slice. I mean, Mike Trout did not slice that one. That one went nine hundred miles straight. Oh, no, up the I'm middle saying, out. I'm saying I slice. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, everybody slices. I even tried to fix the slice by opening my stance a little bit. We, that was the one we took a video on. Yeah, that, That's the one time that I just sent it, it straight. As, no, I didn't hook it. I sent it straight, but I just lined up like so much of an open stance that it went all the way into the other hole. <laughs> so, yeah, in you, other you, words, you, not straight. You shot, a, you shot a line drive in the left center. That's, that's what that was. <laughs> it was a deep ball. I did get lucky. My one good drive of the day happened to be the one that we took a video of. Yeah, and we didn't post Kinda that. Nice. The only thing we did post of Murph was when he was lounging in the pool with the with the beers on his on his stomach. <laughs> yeah, that was a hidden talent that I didn't expect to be exposed this weekend. <laughs> anyway, so when we did get to watch some baseball, we got, we actually we wanted to see Cole, but at the end of the day, we rationalized it to you know we're going to see a lot of Cole, so why not take this time to see some of the prospects, some of the you know. Back of this, the rotation. Honestly, Montgomery, he's going to be a big part of this rotation. So we were really happy he to see it. him. Yeah, he rocked it. So he absolutely killed it. I mean, yeah, he he went two innings pitched, four strikeouts, two hits, no runs, no walks. That's a pretty fucking good outing, if you ask me. Yeah, and I feel like, it, I mean, obviously coming back from Tommy John is a, uh, it's not an easy road whatsoever. Um, and I feel like a lot of the the reason, like the, one of the toughest parts getting back into that is. Learning how to, um, not learning how to, but adjusting to pitching on the mound again in a real live game. And I think when he first started doing that, like that, you guys see that when he like he was like crying when he went off the field the first time. Did he? Because yeah, he was like so emotional because he was like, it was so like he was caught up with emotions when he came back pitching for the first time. So it's a it's a huge like adjustment period coming back from that because he hasn't pitched in fucking a year, a and, year half and a half more, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and also another big thing, another positive thing we saw, I know they talked to Boone about it, but he, before the uh, surgery, he was hitting, like, low, I mean, uh, high 80s, like 88 miles per hour on his fastball, mm -hmm. and now they talked to Boone again, he was saying that he was sitting around 94, which yeah, is very happens. good to see him. 94 is a good, and especially to see that in February, March, it's a good clip. It's awesome. Usually, I mean, every pitcher, once they get warm, like you never see Chapman throwing 100 around this time of year on the early, early, early half of the season. Once people start getting warm, everyone but Cole. I mean, Cole's already out there hitting 98 in February, but he's a different breed. I always love that, the panic. You mentioned Chapman and how he's not throwing 104 miles an hour in February and in March. There's, it hasn't really yeah. been so much this spring training, but I remember last spring training, everyone was panicking when he was throwing a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. In yeah. in uh in March like yeah, around this time and everyone's like oh he lost it he can't throw anymore and then this all of a sudden the he's, the yeah. even in the beginning of the regular season then by the time you know mid April hits he was back up to hundred takes a long time to get in that mid season form and that's why I thought it was so again going back to Montgomery it was great to see him do that especially off injury and a lot of the time players who get Tommy John they come back throwing harder and faster. But it's like it really depends on how the surgery goes and the rehab, and it looks like it's going well so far from what we've seen, which is a awesome, awesome sign. I mean, he had so much high praise going into the season two years ago, and 
honestly, we're, we're seeing that a little bit in like what that player was supposed to be. So, I mean, yeah, if he's a guy that and we need him as a three starter to start the season, I know there's good news on Paxton's front. We're going to get Domingo back and Sevy's obviously shut down, but he's going to be a guy we really, really fucking need. Like he's going to yeah. be a huge part of this rotation. And if we can get that hype out of what we thought Montgomery was going to be and what we saw when we were out there at the spring training, I like that. I have yeah, confidence in he, that. If he can come, if he can come back and be, you know, and we're we're talking about him being a a fourth starter. You know, if we well, can get three that four. Well, three four until Paxton. Three, four, you know, no, yeah, pa- yeah, half yeah. though too. Well, that, that's up to Cole. yeah, that's up to interpretation where you want to flip him and right. But I'm saying as him and half are kind right of now, nah, half will be the three. I think half will be a three. They're, they're kind of they're they're regardless. Them. Yeah, based on the based on what we've seen so far, Hap is number three because he's at least shown that. Like we know we're gonna get at him right now, you know. Yeah. With Montgomery, we still don't really know what we're gonna get out of him. He's only pitched, you know, two innings consistently, um, so we're still waiting for that sort of progress. So I think if we can get the consistency out of him, out of a four starter, I mean that's fucking awesome. I mean, given the injuries and given that what we're dealing with, um, I think like I, I'm personally not too worried. As we stand at this moment. Yeah, I think we're kind of really desperately looking for something that's positive uh, to kind of combat the injury front. And I think we're finding that in how Montgomery is looking so far. And I think we're also finding that in how Clint Frazier is looking so far. Um, Mm. So obviously we want Sebi back. Obviously we don't want Judge and Stanton to be out for too long. But as far as filling those voids and those rules in the rotation and in the lineup, could be worse, and so far the spring is at least going relatively well for the younger guys. They're going to start filling into those roles. Yeah, and we, and we saw a lot of those um, young pitchers, you know, pitch some pretty good, consistent innings um, during that game we saw, which was kind of happy that we saw that. We saw we saw your boy, uh, Medina, yeah, Louis Medina. So he's awesome. He's one of the four Luises. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I actually noticed the other day uh, that there are four Luis. Uh, pitchers in the Yankees organization, I guess. Uh, there's Louis Gill and Louis Medina, who we both, or who both of which we saw uh, against the Red Sox on Sunday, Saturday. And then there's also uh, Louis Sessa and Louis um, Severino. Sorry, off the top of my head. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of funny. It'd be interesting to see in a couple of years if there's four in the rotation. Doubt it, but it'd be kind of cool. Um, yeah, so Luis Medina is the guy that I mentioned as my kind of player to watch in the spring, and uh, it's just because he's he actually dropped, I think, in terms of being on the Yankees prospect list. Now he's 10. Um, when I saw it, I thought he was higher than that. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, he has a really, obviously, good fastball, like I mentioned. We got to actually see that in action. Uh, on mm-hmm. Saturday, which was yeah, great. Yeah, he had the 80 ranked fastball on the on the, the yeah, scout scale, on the so. scale there, and yeah, he uh, gas. Yeah. yeah, he was throwing really hard, and his off his the problem that uh, supposedly the problem with his him and his is his command. What was that? We're still recovering from the yeah <laughs> the weekend. I, I, Not I, a lot I, of sleep gotten, was had. I haven't gotten eight hours yeah. of sleep in a row since probably Thursday night. But um, yeah. two six a.m. flights had <laughs> did barely slept before him. Yeah. Anyway, Medina apparently the uh, control and his command is his problem. But you know he pitched really well on Saturday. Two innings pitched, a hit in three Ks. I'll take that any day of the week. He's he's gonna be a little far out. He's only twenty years old. We're not probably not gonna see him for the next couple of years. But when we do, I think he's gonna be good. Probably a bullpen guy. But yeah, I mean he looked really good when we were out there. He, what was his stat line? His was two innings pitched, one hit, three Ks, no mm-hmm. runs, no walks. I mean that's. Pretty fucking That's good. Great. I mean, granted, it's still this is all taken with a grain of salt. This is still spring training, but I mean, definitely would rather have this than them give up four runs or five runs. So, I mean, guys yeah. like Mike Fires out here just shit in the bed. Yeah, <laughs> snitch. Yeah, <laughs> easy. Um, <laughs> so we also yeah, got to say. see uh, Louis Gill, like I mentioned, also pitched well, two innings, uh, three Ks, couple walks, but who cares. Acevedo walked the bases loaded, um, but got out of it. No hits, no runs. Uh, but he did have, you know, the three walks. Yeah, you can't walk the bases loaded. That's the no, trying to make but, you know, You're a young guy. It's all right. You know, it's, Not a it's, good it's, it's command. It's that's all it is. Command and control. That, yeah. That's easier totally. to be taught than stuff. So I can live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, some other highlights from the game. I know you guys don't want to hear us just rattle off some stats from one random game that we went to, but. 
I mean, this is just a storyline for the entire spring training. Frazier hit a double at the game we were at. Frazier looks fucking good. But yeah, I mean that. I mean that's my boy. I don't know anyone who doesn't know yet. That's my fucking boy. Um, but that ball he hit. Remember when he hit that ball? I looked over to you guys. I was like, "Holy crap!" Like everyone saw the video, but we were there and we heard the crack of the bat go off. That was such and a sweet sound. When I tell you that echoed throughout the entire stadium, like that—that that was the loudest ball I've ever I've ever heard in my life. I think. I mean, yeah, he's been like that. He's been a man on a mission all spring, and he just he's just ripping these balls. And honestly, we haven't seen anything yet to detrimental in the outfield. Like he hasn't made any crazy bad plays, not that I know of. Did you guys see anything? Uh, there was one where it wasn't detrimental or bad, but I, I think it was against the Rays. He kind of misplayed one off the wall, but, you know, nothing nothing crazy that I've seen. Yeah, I think Kev told me about one that he saw that was just, he looked a little lost out there, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of it was kind of tough to hear that because, you know, with a guy like Frazier who's so in his own head, he's a mm-hmm. mental midget, like you got to get off in his case because he, he knows the storyline coming in. He knows everybody's going to be looking at his defense. They know the bat's good. Everyone's going to look at the defense under a microscope. And for a guy like him, you got to get ahead of that. You got to, like, first ball out there. If you fuck that up, you know that's going to double and triple in his head and it's going to make him feel even worse. So, with that being said, you need to make that play. You need to make it like a nice play on it. You need to do everything perfect for the first few times out there. So, again, mm-hmm. it's nice to see that he's making these plays. Or at least to the point where we're not screaming like, or that he's not on a highlight reel on Twitter like, oh, oh Clint, Clint can't feel he's never going to be a big leaguer, anything like that. So I think that's a small win for him right there. Yeah, I think what they're telling yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. You got to believe that they're just telling him to kind of play it simple. I know the reason that we laughed at his fielding all last year is because he always got caught between whether he's going to die for a ball or wait up on it. And same when he got towards the wall, he kind of got a little, uh, little sketchy. But um, I think that they just kind of told him. Just play as simple outfield as you can, and you're going to minimize your mistakes. And that's just kind of what it seems like to me is what he's doing. Yeah, but as yeah. Da- Damon will tell you, simple, simple ain't that easy. I mean, when you talk about his uh-huh. – th- when you tell that to somebody who's having fielding problems, just saying, hey, go out there, play simple. Well, they know and he knows he's very much under the microscope, and like the coaches, everybody. So yeah, I'm I just think, saying I him getting – I think a big thing for him – a big thing for him too is the whole like um, – it kind of goes in the whole like getting in your head again, but hesitation is what really kills him. You know, we saw him going for those balls and then mm-hmm. thinking about it and then not thinking about it, then diving, then not diving. Like he's got to go with his gut. He's got to just play the game again, easy and simple and not try and hesitate during those big moments and just kind of, you know, more of a reaction than a hesitation. You yeah. know, it's a hard thing to learn, but you know, it's like, yeah. it's really what it needs to come down to. He kind of has to pick one side or the other. Cause sometimes he does just go all, all out for it. And sometimes he's gun shy. So, mm-hmm. and that's obviously because he's missed those previous plays, but you know, I mean, you just got to play every, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know what it is about him. He, he just, he's so in and out on everything. I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not, I don't, I, I, I'm sorry. I just think we kind of no, got off track yeah, with him. Uh, we, we got onto his fielding when we were just talking about the thing that we do like about him, which is his hitting. And I think that he's just kind of coming to a spot where he's realizing that Judge may or may not be hurt. Stanton seeming like he's going to be hurt. There's going to be a roster spot open that he's going to be in the contention for and, let's face it, most likely get. And I think he's just kind of – You think so? I, I, I think he's going to get the roster just spot. Just a six-man roster spot? Yeah, I, I don't know. So we put up yeah. a poll. A lot of people do think he's going to get it, and I think so too. He's been awesome. I'd love to see him on the opening day roster, and I'd like to see him playing a ton of games this year because I think he's going to be one of the one of those like deciding factors. Like last year during all the injuries, which seemed to be very much still prevalent. Because honestly, to be not to be the bearer of bad news or anything, but we had less injuries going into the year last year than we do right now. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. It's it's nearly the same. Like we're not out of the woods. Like we still have, and I have a horrible feeling not to be a Debbie Downer about like with no inside knowledge or anything with the judge situation. But it just doesn't. I'm I just I'm just awaiting some bad news. You know, it just I have some weird fear in my heart that, that it's just with him. He's always hurt, and I just don't. I I don't think it's good news. 
Yeah. yeah, but let's not. I don't want to talk about anything that's up in the air, and especially with with him, I feel like there's just so much uncertainty around everything. They ran tests, and they they're still not finding anything significant, which is the good sign. But it's like, all right, what aren't you telling us? And yeah, what's going to be the outcome year. when you do find something? See, it's usually the bad that's thing. That's what I think it is. Sevy. That's what I think yeah. it is because Judge is a really fucking tough guy, and I don't yeah. think he's one to say something about when he feels a pain or something. So, and more often than not, he when, when he's kept off the field, it's because the medical professionals are keeping off the field, not because he doesn't want to be on the field. That's what it is with most yeah. people, except for Stanton, who's, I don't know, he's... he's he took he, himself out of the He takes himself yeah. out, I don't know, whatever. He's a different story. But Judge is one of those guys who won't even... He seems like he doesn't fully tell you when he's all, all hurt. And, like, he said he felt discomfort in his chest... And then mm-hmm. that could end up being something serious. Is like when the medical professionals get the MRI, and he went for the MRI on Monday. That's that's today, right? Yep. Okay. So today is Monday. Hopefully, we we. I mean, by the time you're listening, you might have already gotten the results of the MRI. We're patiently waiting for those, but hopefully, it's all good. But you know, as a yeah Yankee fan with PTSD, you gotta, yeah, you assume the worst, and that's what I'm yeah. assuming. But back to the Frazier thing, I'm. Oh, unless you wanted to say something. No, I, I don't know. I guess we're now just kind of into judge, uh, which we we're going to get into anyway. I just had a thought on that. It is um, when we go, when we keep seeing these injuries, and I think this is why we're so pessimistic about judge is that when it's like, oh, so and so is out with soreness, we've never gotten the good bump where the soreness has turned out to be like not that big of a deal. Like, we I'm thinking, for example, it, like, it just hasn't and since last year. Like, it's always been like, oh, God, he has soreness. Like, how bad is it going to be this time? It's never going to be like, oh, he's day-to-day. Nobody's day-to-day anymore. Like, it's not like it's everything, it seems, that the Yankees are like, oh, he's not hitting today. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. It's a significant injury, which I think is why we're all so scared about Judge. And I know that's why I'm so scared about Judge. I mean, I always freak yeah. out when Judge gets a walk. Because he always makes that grimacey face like this all the time when he gets a walk or a hit or something. So, like, he's just somebody that his facial expressions fuck me up. You know, like, yeah. even when he's fine, he's never fine. Yeah, like, when he had the uh, the issue with, um, what was it in his, in his like, torso area last year? He had the, was oblique? the oblique. Yeah, the, the oblique. oblique. Yeah. When he, like, again, like, he had a fucking amazing game that game. He had a home run and a line drive into right center. And he was rounding first base, and you saw that face he was making, mm-hmm. holding it. Real, I was like, "That's not good." Yeah, it seems like a casual single, right? Because that's what he does every yeah. fucking time. But that is the. Time. I think he got a double that time, and he was rounding the bases. Actually, it was he had an RBI double, right? And he scored. Yeah, he scored so. a run. I think it took the lead or whatever it was. I think if I'm yeah. remembering correctly, might have been against the Royals, but I think it was against the Royals. Uh, Regardless, uh, but anyway, he he was rounding the bases, and he grabs his oblique, and it's just. He does that every fucking time, so it just bothers me. That's something that bothers everybody. Everybody sees it. Yeah, yeah. But again, I get the point of this whole this whole thing is you know, who's again? We're we're playing the whole next man up season again. It's already mm-hmm. looking like that, and I hate to say next man up already, but you got to prepare for the worst, and that's why I think that Frazier's spot is going to be so much more significant, and especially with this twenty six man roster being implemented this season. I feel like he has to be part of that roster spot in opening day. I agree. I think he he just fills that role so well. He's such a good bat in the lineup, and he, he just fits, and he wants to be there. You can tell he's just such a kind of like a maverick, like a little like a kind of lights a fire in the dugout, that kind of maverick, thing. Like, yeah, I like that. I mean, know. if he doesn't get that call up, if he, if he ends up getting set back down to Scranton again, he's going to light something on fire. Yeah. He's, he, yeah. I don't think he can mentally take no, another send down. And no, especially because. Would you be able to? No, but yeah, but especially him, somebody who like that, and especially because last time he killed it before he got sent down. And remember that one interview where they're like, do you think you did enough? Which is a dumb question to begin with because clearly yeah, he didn't right. do enough. But they asked him, do you think you did enough? And he was like, yeah, I thought so, but you know, <laughs> I ended up getting sent down, and that's that's what the team decided was best for me. And he fully yeah. didn't want to fucking be there, but he got sent down after killing it. He just—I yeah. I think it was Stanton that was coming up that took his spot. Oh no, 
somebody else came up, but he, I think it was. Are Talkman. you talking about the end of spring? Because yeah. he, no, no, no. he didn't make the opening day roster. Talking. No, no, no. Instead. This was after he killed it for the season, and then Stan came up, or then but they ended up giving the spot to Talkman or somebody else. And he, he, I remember he said, "I thought it, I, my job, I thought I would get sent down for Stanton, but you know that's the way it went." Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I don't think he can take one more. I think. No. He's I don't gonna, think he deserves one. More. I don't think he deserves one more either. But are, some could argue that he didn't deserve it before too. Yeah, no, I agree. I just think that when I was thinking about when I saw a twenty-six man roster, like that one extra roster spot, just without thinking logistically about how the Yankees would approach it or anything, I literally thought like twenty-six. That's Frazier's spot. Like mm-hmm. last year, he 100%. was the last person that they wanted to send down. He was the last person that deserved to get sent down. It's just how it worked out. And I think this year, I don't see a way that he doesn't come up because, first of all, he's already having a good spring. Second of all, we really need help in the outfield with Judge and Stanton hurt and Hicks hurt. And number three, we have an extra roster spot to carry him. I just don't see any situation where he's in Scranton. Yeah, so I mean, we yeah. haven't looked at the full 26 men, but I'm, I'm assuming that he would make it. But does that put a guy like Wade on the cusp? Or do you think Wade makes it too? Because uh, of his versatility. I would love to see Wade make it. Uh, I'm the Wade guy the same way that uh, Damon's the Clint Frazier guy, even though I'm sure we both like the other. Um, but I think that at this point in time that Frazier deserves a roster spot more Over than Wade. Wade does. But, I mean, yeah, I guess if you break it down to 26, if you can take both, that's great. If not... You give Frazier the nod over for, over for now, yeah, I think so. And I know that's part of the reason we were so excited to see both of them. We got to see both of them on Saturday. Yeah, and, and Clint, they, both looked, did better. they both looked really, really good. They uh, both looked really good playing. Wade didn't do anything that game, but I mean, Wade has been looking good. And he, yeah, but he you know what he always bad. brings. He hit a home run the previous game. You yeah, know? He's, yeah, no, he's for still sure. Looking like good. You yeah, know? he's definitely. You know, didn't look. You know, it didn't look good though. Is is Voight? Uh-uh. Voight looked lost at the plate. I would love to and, know. <laughs> no, sorry. See, that's just based on the eye test too. I haven't really looked, and that's. Kind of what it always is for me with Voight. Voight's a weird one for me. He, like, with the eye test, me watching the game, me seeing how he is every at-bat, he seemingly never gets a hit to me. But when you look at the stats, I don't know. when you look at the stats, he's batting 273. He's, like, hitting however many home runs, whatever. He's doing well. He walks a fuckload. Yeah. His OBP is always high. So I, don't, I, don't, I just don't get it. And he just, he, I think it's when he strikes out, he strikes out like decidingly. Like he looks defeated out there. Like he, he just he waves defeated. the bat. He just waves the bat. He looked defeated on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Saturday he looked like he had no idea what pitch was coming. He had like a curveball that he swung like an hour early on and then blew a fastball by him and he just had no idea what he was looking at. I mean, we talk about this a lot, like that feeling, that confidence of when somebody's up at the plate. Yeah. I, I just don't think Void will ever do it for me. I don't know. It's just some certain players, e- even if he's better than other players. It's just that, w- will you give me that feeling of getting a hit when you're up? Honestly, Frazier has that for me. Yeah, I disagree. Like, I, I just, first of all, I, I agree that Void's completely lost, and he looked really lost on Saturday. I don't know what his stats are in spring training, but the few at-bats that I've seen him take didn't look great to me. But... Historically, last year especially, I actually had that confidence with Voight. Maybe it's because he's kind of a big guy. And, and in spring training, when we're looking at him, like I have the confidence still. He's mm-hmm. one of the guys that maybe doesn't deserve it as much as I ha- as I give him to him credit wise. But based on what you're saying, but yeah, I don't know. He he does. I think give I had that feeling. feeling. I think I had that feeling with him for about a week when he went on that some crazy tear last year, and after after that, I completely turned. I just have not felt the same way. Yeah. Another person who is feel, doesn't really have the the fans on his side right now is Stanton, if you want to get into that, because Judge has the injury lingering around. He could be okay, he could be not. Same kind of goes with Stanton, because he has the opening day kind of in jeopardy. Boone has been quoted saying he doesn't really think he – is going to miss significant time, but when you see his face, you kind of you're trying to read deeper into what he isn't saying because that's that's mm-hmm. what we that's what we're all trying to do now as Yankee fans because they don't really tell us everything and then they just yeah. hit us with the news like breaking news Severino's out for the next ten years like like okay where was this ever like he two mm-hmm. days ago he was perfectly fine throwing a bullpen everyone was hyped about him being the great number two starter getting our one of our best pitchers back. And then the next day, he's out for the year. 
Same mm-hmm. kind of goes with Stanton, and that's always been Stan specifically because he kind of like last year when he was on the IL, no one was saying anything about him, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, Stan's in the lineup tonight. <laughs> it's like what's going on with him? I mean, that's because we had thirty six other guys on the IL at the same time. But they time. don't. They, but when asked, they never said anything about him. So I mean, Stanton to me, I before this season started have been quoted. I've been saying to you guys. I am Team Stan. I think Stan has a great year this year. He had a good year, year one. Didn't really play so much year two. Obviously came off the MVP season before year one. I think year three, if he's healthy, he's going to have a monster year. Potential in the MVP candidate. I don't think he gets it, but I think he's in that conversation if he's healthy. Because we know what the player he can be when healthy. That's a big if because he clearly has made a glass. He is getting increasingly hard to... Defend like if he keeps getting injured like this and pulling himself out of games like we said or just not being on the field Like it's really getting hard to defend the guy that just can't play like if he doesn't play like what I Mean get rid of him. I mean, I know nobody's gonna take the contract and he's our problem to have Otherwise, we're gonna have to pay off most of it if we get rid of him But I mean he's getting really fucking hard to be in his camp right now. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I feel kind of the same way. I just, I, I've always been kind of on the, on the the edge with him. Um, I know we we went back and forth about it all the time because you were team Stan and I was kind of on the other side of it. I always thought he was a great player. Obviously, he fucking was the MVP. But when he came to the Yankees, I didn't feel like um, I never, I don't know, I never really got got behind him. I never really a huge stand supporter because of these, all these lingering things, the inconsistencies and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I, I hope he plays, I hope he's ready to play and I, he's still a starting DH left fielder. And I think that if he is kind of on the, on the edge of being healthy and, um, we find a better left fielder, if it's talk Ben Frazier, who knows, maybe even on at this point, um, throw Stanton as the you know the set DH for the lead, for the season. You know, make him be the majority uh, DH for for the season. You know, because if we're not really confident in him being healthy, and we know he hits the crap out of the ball, put put him put him in the DH. But like, there needs to be some game plan going forward with him if we want to utilize his contract and utilize his talent for what we signed him for. Yeah, but that kind of handcuffs us, though. If we use him as an everyday DH, because then you have guys who need to be other everyday DHs. I mean, I know we're throwing Miggy out there and left, but at the end of the day, Miggy's better off as a DH, too. So if we throw Stanton as an everyday DH, then we lose Miggy's bat in other situations and other things like that. I mean, then you got all bats like the Voits, who could probably DH sometimes when DJ moves to first and other situations. DH is always a loaded position yeah, for us. Yeah, of course. And when yeah, f- with Frazier, course. too, Frazier coming in, a lot of us, lo- a lot of looks he's going to get is DH also if he's ever going to play. So, I don't know. It just seems I, to me if we if we waste a guy like that just DHing, in term- and it, it's more of a waste because not like it's huge waste of talent in the outfield, which he is a pretty good defender. He's not a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination, but if we're throwing him at DH. It wastes like the one through nine lineup takes a hit because we can't use other bats that are huge bats that you want in the lineup, like Miggy, for example. Yeah, but like, but like he again, like you say, he's a, he's a good fielder, but he's not a he's not a amazing amazing like top tier Gold Glover fielder, you know. Um, and the fact is is that he's an injury prone guy. I think I I don't like saying injury prone because I think that's kind of a, a made up word but um definitely not made up what definitely not made up no why is it a made up word i hate saying it because i feel like it's just such like a vague term like injury prone who can be injury prone who's not injury prone you get injured injured. you're playing the game you know people who frequently get injured are injury prone i get that but stan is injury prone just exactly (laughs) the point is the point is that he's injury prone and if he doesn't if he doesn't add that like amazing um, you know, like attribute to the field, then throw him at DH because people who can play left field better, like a Talkman, are going to be more worth the put out there. But we still get his bat, and like Boone has proven to put people in places that and people who, people in places who can perform 
to a, a great level, and I'm confident in that, but I think that DH is the spot for him for the whole season. Do you guys think that Mike Talkman, if called upon, because I think he might be the starting left fielder on opening day, left field, center field, wherever you want to put him. Do you guys think Talkman can be that? I know we put out a blog article about this, that talk, the, the replacement for Stanton could be Mike Talkman. Do we think that Talkman can replicate the numbers that he put up last year and fill the void for Stanton? Because, I mean, his numbers last year in 2019, his age 28 season, he played 87 games. So that's pretty good because he didn't start the season with the team. He obviously, well, he did start the season with the team, right? Mm -hmm. But he didn't, Mm -hmm. he obviously, he started in in the minors. But he came up and. he, He started on opening day roster. Did he? Because he beat out Frazier. He didn't start in the starting lineup. He was on the MLB roster. But obviously he was in and out for the entire season. So that could be a similar season. He's probably going to play around 87 games if guys like Stan come back. If not, he could be an everyday starter. But yeah, he could be. his numbers last season, he batted 277 with a 361 OBP, and he had 13 home runs. I mean, that just those are pretty good numbers to me. I mean, he sure. and he's an elite defender, absolutely elite defender. He has a 99, he's a 1,000 fielding percentage. That's pretty good. The defensive run saved, I think, was the big number for him. He, 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 no, he only had a 1,000 fielding percentage in center. In center? Look, 29, he played different positions. He had a 994. Well, anyway, his defensive run saved was one of the most in the league. I don't know the exact stat, but, I mean, he's a plus defender out there. Absolute great athlete, great asset to have out there. Do we think he is a great fill? Do you think he puts up similar numbers to last year? Do you think he regresses? Because he's in a similar conversation to the guys like Gio. They like, were those guys who were the next men up, and they kind of filled that void. And Not kind of. They definitely filled the void and kept the season chugging. Do we think these guys are just next men up, one-time wonders, one-hit wonders, or do we think that they can actually be certified studs? I mean, Baseball is weird because you can have a breakout season like that. I mean, he's only played three seasons, so that could easily mm-hmm. be a breakout. Similar to Gio, because he could be just breaking out in his. I think he's around twenty-seven. Do we think Talkman can put up serious numbers? Like, yeah, I think he can. Um, I know we definitely are going to need him to, and just he's one of those guys like we were mentioning earlier, confidence-wise. Like he. It seemed to me like if I had to guess his batting average and his home run totals last year, I would have probably guessed higher than the numbers that he just read off. So he just had the confidence factor for me. And like you said, he's really great in the field. And we just need somebody to fill that void and somebody to fill that hole, whether it be for Judge or Stanton or both. And I don't see any other alternative that would be better than talking at this point. And I honestly didn't even re- really re- – Recognized that he was 28 years old. I kind of thought he was younger than that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. Also, also to, you know, keep in mind, he is coming off an injury as well. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it's, uh, you know. That's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, he did come back. Yeah, he was ready for the playoffs at the end of the season, too, from that same injury. So, I mean, he probably wasn't 100% at that time, but he was ready to play. So, I think it's. Yeah, but still coming off an injury still affects your gameplay. You know, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. My eyes are going to be locked on whatever injury he's had from last year, from his kindergarten recess, anything anything that happened with the way injuries go with this team. You've got to have full attention on everything. And I'm going to be cringing every time somebody makes a play. And it's kind of going to be a horrible feeling, but, you know, it's what we bought into now. So everyone's got a potential to get hurt in any single play. It's like a game of football. Mm-hmm. It's literally turning into a game of football <laughs> In yeah. terms of the injuries Like obviously in football any fucking person Get injured on any single play because you're Banging skulls against each other Baseball wasn't supposed to be like that but I guess it is now Well yeah I guess but A lot of the injuries that we're seeing like Stanton's For example and I'm assuming judges are Kind of off out of outside of baseball Activities I know Stanton's came from Like a workout right he had a workout And then came it's up probably when he fucking smashes Those tires I don't, I don't know but, like, it's just non-baseball related, I, I, I'm pretty sure. And it's just kind of those freak things and all the tendon stuff like that. Like, it's not like we're getting hit and getting hurt from that. And, like, the, all of these injuries are, seem like they're Well, it doesn't matter, though. Baseball. It doesn't matter if you're getting hurt from mowing your lawn or 
running over by a tractor, whatever Cespedes did, or whatever the fuck you're doing. If you're in the movie theater and trip on a popcorn, I don't care. If you're in getting injured, it matters. So, I mean, yeah, that's Stan's just a I'm piece saying. of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, speaking of filling voids and holes in the lineup, uh, the Yankees talked to the Mets about Steven Matz, and apparently the Mets were asking for Andahar. Thoughts? And I fucking get Andahar. Anywhere. Yeah, and that's also that's also why the Mets and the Yankees are never going to come to any agreement because the Mets always ask for an absurd amount more in return than what the Yankees are getting. Same thing happened with and DeGrom last year, yeah. We were yeah, never getting DeGrom. We were never getting DeGrom. No, no they, we were, never, they, were clo- they were really close. On how DeGrom. close? They, I'm pretty sure it was a medical reason that they didn't that it didn't go through. I don't blow, I don't buy into it. The Mets and the Yankees never fucking make trades is because the Mets are fucking stupid rats and they just hate being reasonable with players. I mean, Steven Matz, he's a 4-2 ERA guy. Would be a decent addition. I think he's a lefty, right? Yeah. Lefty. I yeah, think he would. <laughs> I think a lefty would help out help us out with obviously Paxton being out, but I mean, we got guys coming back like Paxton and Paxton honestly if you want to go into him a little bit just to make everybody feel good, he could start throwing next week or the week after that. So why are we... I don't, I'm not into the going after uh, an, an arm right now. And honestly, he's probably the cream of the crop right now because I remember Cashman was talking about it and there's not really much to be had in the market right now. He literally said, what we got is what we got. We're going to stay with the fifth starter being in-house and I'm fully on board with that. Why do we need to go pay a premium and do hard. Obviously, not going to give him up, but that's what they're asking for. We're, people look at us right now and say, oh, it's happening again. That We're going to be able to get the Yankees and make them pay whatever we want for our shitty player that we're not even going to be able to use. I don't know I, if it's that. I think it's just, I think what the Mets are doing is actually kind of smart. I think that they realize that the Yankees really need to fill a hole and fill a need, and they're not in a rush to give up Steven Matz because if this deal doesn't go through, the Mets are... No worse or no better off, and they're in a spot where they have what the Yankees need, and they're seeing how much they want to give up, and they don't want to make mm-hmm. that. They're not looking to actively shop mats, so they're asking prices high. Because well, that's what that, I'm saying. That's they're just not, they're not giving him up. They're just looking to see if they can take advantage of us. And the only time they'd ever not get rid of him, because yes, we they to, are. The only time they get rid of him is for a high price, like Anduar. Yeah, but we went. They're to not actually looking for somebody to shop. Yeah, so we went to them, but they're not trying to screw us. They're saying, you're asking what do you want from Mats? It's Andahar, because they probably don't really want to get rid of Mats. Fuck, fuck Mats. Yeah, fuck but the Mets, fuck I'm Mats. Just they're, saying. Also the, they're also playing the card of we are, like, they're playing the card that we think they think that we're desperate and that. That's what I was talking we about. Have the re- we have the resources to give. So that's why they were saying, oh, just give us your fucking one of your best players. I'm not saying know? we should give Mandahar. I'm just saying I don't think that they're the rats that Rel is talking about. Well, I think that what Damon said, the reason why they're fucking listening is because, like, oh, we could possibly take advantage of them here. That's a rat move. Wouldn't you want yeah. RGM to do that? If you were I guess so, but fuck the Mets. I, we're not giving them Andahar. We're not giving no, them... Shit, we're not giving I don't even want to give them any one of the four Luises. Luis Gill not is giving, not going over The deal is... Realistically, the deal is probably not going to go through, especially not for Andahar, but just... I don't know. It's something... We are staying in-house on the pitching situation. We're not going with any arms. Domingo will be back halfway through the year. Take that with however you want. However you want to root for him, you don't. He'll be a pitcher on the team. We're going to have Paxton sooner rather than later. We don't have Severino, but we obviously, like we said, we have great pitching in the yeah, minors. We have Monty looking good. We have Medina looking good. We have Loisga looking good. We have Mike King a lot of people are high on. We have Debbie Garcia, who we could see soon. Schmidt's looking great. Schmidt looks amazing. You want to talk about Schmidt yeah. a little bit? Because a lot of people, Yeah. the only I, time I when I going. saw Mike Schmidt, uh, uh, not Mike Schmidt, Mike Schmidt's on the Phillies, but Clark Schmidt, the only time his name came up to me was when that list came out and he was above Debbie. I was like, hmm, this kid must be good. Yeah. And we saw him, and he throws some fucking cheese. He's got some nice off-speed, little deuce, little slider action. Been on Pitching Ninja not once but twice now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the fifth the fifth starter is going to be a big uh, competition, and I think he's, he's in the running for it for sure. What do you guys, if you guys had a gun to your head right now and had to pick Fifth starter opening day right now. Go, the wise ago. Yeah, lasagna. I'm, I'm picking. Yeah, 
You want to go with lasagna? Yeah, he's pitched in the majors before. Not very fucking was, well. What do you mean? All right. What do you mean? I, if, I have well. to, if I have to make this point again, I'll, I will. Every single good pitcher that's been homegrown in the last like five years for the Yankees has had one bad year. Everyone writes them off. They come back and they pitch really well. Severino did that. Domingo Herman did that. Like it just happens in the Yankees organization for whatever reason. And that's pretty much what Loazzi is going to be, I think. And, and uh, yeah, yeah and that's about it. Also, Loazzi was also killing it in the beginning of the season last year. Thank you. You know, like he was a reliable starter in the, be- the first few games last year. And everyone kind of forgets that because he fell off and was started to be inconsistent. But he has experience. He's shown that he can do it. He's shown that he's had the potential to succeed. And if we're talking about being a reliable guy, he is that number five guy. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I know a lot of people, we put the poll out, did put Clark Schmidt, and I think that's a valid and uh, valuable number five option. Problem is he hasn't pitched in the majors yet. A lot of people, including myself, didn't know who he was until two months ago. Stuff looks mm-hmm. great and whatnot, but you never know what happens when it goes on the mound. The Wazica stuff looked fantastic when he was in AAA and in spring training, and you know sometimes sometimes he did really well, sometimes he didn't, and some people are not confident in him for you know that exact reason. So you never know how that's going to be with Clark Schmidt. I'm a little more comfortable with Loisaga. Yeah, and I think Schmidt will get his his turn. At Schmidt and Mike King for sure will get their turn to make some sort of um, you know their their 2020 debut and to prove and show that they're ready to be that type of starter. But if we're talking about hey, who are we getting? Who are we giving it to right now? If Loisaga continues to be you know, show progress and be consistent, then I think he's the guy. But um, yeah. I think I think also, um, you know, we're going to talk about the fifth starter for for a little while. You know, you're right. Once once Montgomery gets gets back and he gets into his groove, um, Paxton is really far on with his recovery already. You know, um, I think an article came out today that was an update saying that. Boone said that he was going to start throwing um, by the end of the week, actually, or uh, next week, sorry. He's going to start throwing at the end of next week, um, obviously very limited and, you know, take it day by day. And he could be on track to be back by May, but they obviously are going to limit it and, you know, keep an eye on it and um, see how it goes. But start pitching in the next week and timeline is sometime in May as of right now. So it's all good signs. And once he gets back, it's, it's Garrett Cole, Tanaka, Montgomery, Hap and Paxton. Those are five. If those are my five starters. I am. I'm confident right now. And then yeah. we have the Weisiger, Clark Schmidt, Mike King. Those are all guys who can Don't be back. It's like, yeah, it's good. We're good to go. I'm picking Clark with an E. You know, you know, he spells his name with an Clark with an E at the end. Yeah. Why? So it's the first Clark I've ever seen that spells his name with an E at the end. Bobby Clark, legendary Flyers player. I don't know that. I don't know who that is. It's the last name, granted, but no, I think Clark's usually like the last name is spelled with an E. Although I do know people. I've never seen that ever in my life. Really? You should watch more seventies hockey. (laughs) Never gonna watch seventies hockey. But anyway, I'm gonna. I'll put it on my list. I'm (laughs) picking. I'll put it on the queue. Uh, I'm picking Clark Schmidt. I mean. The kid looks really fucking good. I mean, he I don't remember his stats off the top of my head, but every time he's been out there, it looks like he's throwing dominant. He just has dominant stuff. And, like, put it this way. The Yankees are going to put up a lot of runs. So if there's any team for him to go out there and pitch for as a fifth starter, it's going to be the Yankees. He's going to have success doing it. Or he's going to have the run support. So, I mean, honestly, a lot of these people, a lot of these guys were, like, Kind of skittish on throwing him out into the fire right away, but some of the sometimes some situations call for it. And I know Loizaga has pitched in the majors before, and I get that he's had his he's had his bugaboos too. He hasn't been able to have any control. We've seen more fork pitch walks and we've seen strikeouts with the guy. Like he he doesn't have control whatsoever. I don't really have the confidence to say that he should be the number five over guys like. Clark Schmidt, who are looking really good and don't really have any qualms other than the fact that he's young. They don't have any qualms yet because they mm-hmm. don't have any innings yet. I just think I that when see, you're I going don't. into the fifth starter guy, you don't. it's hard to start a season, and if you can avoid it, you don't want to start the season with a guy in your starting rotation that hasn't pitched an MLB at bat yet. 
So, for that, at least to start the season, I really think it's going to be Luazia. I think that they're not going to try to rush Cole, or um, not Cole, sorry, Clark Schmidt or Debbie Garcia, for that matter, into the fifth starter role because they haven't pitched in the majors when they have a Luazaga that can fill in that role probably more effectively, um, do you at think least in the beginning of the season. By the time we get later on in the season when we see Debbie and Clark Schmidt come up, maybe that could change. But I think to start the season, we're going to see the Luazaga. Do you think they're less willing to rush them out there because of the, the trade stock? Like if they, if they throw them out there and they start shitting the bed, they're worth absolutely nothing now? No, I don't. I don't think that's it. Uh, I think it's just you know, same way with anybody. You don't want to if you have the option between to start the season at least. Like you want to kind of work them in through the bullpen. That's how almost everyone has kind of come up. I mean, we used to see Luizaga used to come out of the bullpen, for example, and then started getting starts, started getting um, opener starts, maybe three or four innings. Then we go to the kind of the bullpen on the like solidified bullpen day, so they have the support that kind of thing. I think they just want to be able to pick and choose when they start. The guys who are as, um, I don't know, vulnerable is not the right word, but just uh, kind of risky, I guess, as Debbie Garcia and Clark Schmidt because we just haven't seen them pitch in the major. Mm-hmm. I'm still yeah. going with Clark. Well, I guess there's only one way to find out, and we'll, yeah. we'll see as the season progresses. <laughs> Unless somebody else gets injured and they're both the fifth starter. All right, yeah. we're not talking about that. So, I mean, with all these injuries, it's so just so crazy to see. I mean, it, it surfaced this week that apparently Gardy has like the worst diet in the world, and he's eating like just garbage. Like he loves, he said he loves to eat pizza and like like sweets and ice cream and everything like that. And Gardy plays 162 games every year. So, mm-hmm. the, and the guys that are getting hurt are the bodybuilders who have smoothies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, who are on a strict diet, who are just negative 1% body fat, and they're playing two games a year. And like, at one point, do we just hop on the Guardi diet? I'm, I'm already on it. I know Murphy's yeah, I've too. I've been on that. I've been on that. <laughs> and, I, and I feel great so far, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, coronavirus hasn't gotten me yet, but I mean, Guardi is... I, do, does everybody go on this diet now? It's working. I, I highly doubt it's the diet. Um, <laughs> I, like, it's it's just that's how Guardy is. I don't know. Like he's Guardy's just so just a, he's a workhorse. Like he's just that kind. I don't know. There's I can't think of a word that encapsulates what Gardner is. But it's like the least surprising story ever that he does that and goes out and plays like he's he is. a weirdo. No, he's not. He's a weirdo. Yeah. Everything about him is just kind of weird. I love it. What do you mean? No, he's not. He can nah, be weird. Let, let Brett bang it. Let him. Let him be. Let him be. He's a weirdo. I like it. Uh, I disagree. Yeah. Whatever. All right. What What do we got for uh, for Murphy's Law? Greg Bird went over thirteen to start the season. Yeah, good for him. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that little nugget in there. He'll be coaching little league by the end of the year. <laughs> Although, actually, I did have one other story that I came across today that I felt like might be worth to talk about. So. The Yankees apparently have a really competitive Madden league amongst themselves during spring training called the National Savages League. And uh, they are, I believe, eight, oh, no, 12 teams. And so we have Zach Britton, Clint Frazier, Aaron Hicks, Ben Heller, Michael King, Luke Voigt, Jonathan Holder, Aaron Judge, Tommy Canley, DJ LeMahieu, Mike Talkman, and Tyler Wade each have a team. They're split evenly between the AFC and the NFC, and they play like a season-long thing. Uh where they're all in the same league and they're all different actual NFL teams and then the other 20 teams in the league are, like, uh, automated or whatever. And apparently DJ's sick. Apparently DJ's really DJ, good. What is he not bad surprised. at? What? What I'm is not he bad he's not, he's not bad at anything, so I'm not shocked whatsoever that DJ's the best Madden player. He probably doesn't fucking... He, he probably doesn't celebrate whatsoever whenever he gets a win. Scores a touchdown, just frowns even more. No, probably not. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the least surprising thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I just think that's like kind of cool. Like I can just picture, you know, in the clubhouse or whatever uh, during spring training. What else are they? Yeah, they've been doing that. The ping pong tournament. The Hicks ones gets me because, like, he's not like he's he's not playing. He's hurt, so he has all the time in the world to play Madden. So Is, I'm surprised. Was he one of the better ones or no? I have no idea. Anyway, I don't know. I thought it was fun. So we wanted to start a new segment here, a little bit of trivia action. Who doesn't like trivia? So we're just going to ask each other trivia questions. We're going to use it as one of the uh, secret trivia giveaway questions. So if anybody tells us the answer to the question, uh, comment on the podcast on the uh, Instagram page, 
We're going to tell you what to comment. Just comment the answer, and you have a chance to win a free T-shirt. DM. So DM it to us. Yeah, DM it to us. We'll tell you which one. So first question, Damon, why don't you start us off with your trivia question for us? All right. Um, let me pull it up real quick. This one's this one's a little this one's a little tricky because it's not something it's not a typical thing, but you might just need to guess. Um, my question is, who hit the first home run at the new Yankee Jorge Stadium? Jorge Posada. Okay. <laughs> I remember that vividly. He was my favorite player. That's all I remember. You know what's funny? When I was looking those up too. That was my question. <laughs> because, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was the one that had A, B, C, D. It was Derek Jeter, A-Rod, Hori Basada, Hideki Matsui. Matsui no, had the last one. Matsui had the last one, right? At, at the old, right? I don't know, but I'm I, pretty I, sure I know that. the answer sure was Hori But anyway, yeah, that was my question. So I guess we're just going to have two for this, <laughs> for, for this section. So, Murph, what was yours? This question is going to be the one. That you DM us the answer to, and you could possibly win a free T-shirt. We have a plethora of T-shirts that you can choose from. It will be free, of course. If you DM us, we'll choose from you guys. What's your question, Murph? So, really, I guess you can't answer because I, I told it to you earlier today. I'm still going to stick with it because it's a really good question. Why the fuck would you do that? I, didn't, I, I, misunderstood, I misunderstood him, too. When he said, I come up with a trivia question, I thought it was one that we were going to ask the audience, and they were going to... Yeah, I didn't know we're asking. I literally said to him, "We're doing trivia on the pod today. Send me a question. We'll all read them aloud to each other." You said, "Send me a question." Okay, ask the question. I'm pulling up the text. So the question is: Who is the first player in Yankees history to get an All Star Game MVP and a World Series MVP? First Yankee MLB history to get an All Star MVP and a World Series MVP. Is that the question? Yes, All Star Game and World Series. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Uh, well, I didn't look it up, so I can answer this question. Just the text that I sent you was: Can you find Yankees trivia question for the pod? Right, who we cares? Can if you, if you want to answer it, answer it. But I'm pretty sure you looked it up. I didn't look it up. All right. So first Yankee to win All Star Game MVP and Yankees MVP in the same season. World Series MVP. World Series MVP in the same season. I'm gonna go with. Uh, Jeter, I know it's probably not him. I was gonna say Jeter. Maybe too. too much of a layup. It's Jeter. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, that was a poor introduction to the trivia segment. We'll have some better and funnier right. answers, uh, questions coming out for the next episodes. But the answer that you want to DM us is Jeter, and if you send us Jeter, we'll possibly give you a free shirt. So that'll be fun. We'll do that every uh, every episode going forward. Next, if we want to get into DMs, we're ready for that. Yeah, let's get into DMs, shall we? First DM comes to us from Tom Sinercha. Uh, What was your favorite Yankee quote? Do not have to be alive for it. Well, we go Murph because Murph is the historian here. So I I was thinking about this and I don't have it in front of me, but I had I I didn't know whether it was Yankee quote. I was starting to think Yogi Berra kind of Yogiisms. So I, I thought my favorite Yogiism is if you come to a fork in the road, take it. And it was in a Yankee book that I had when I was a kid that just had it was like 101 facts about the Yankees and then like. Every number of every number had a different fact that was related to the number. So number eight was like a couple Yogi Bear quotes, and then like explained Yogiisms, and it was kind of cool. And that one I just didn't understand at the time because I was maybe ten or eleven, didn't really understand what that meant. And then kind of growing up, I realized the irony and how funny it was. My other one um, is it was a Red it's from the same book. It was a Red Sox. Manager at the time of Bucky Dent's home run, and it he just said like Bucky F and Dent and like walked away, and, it, and I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and speaking of which, Bucky Dent is coming out with a podcast through really, yeah, through I believe, oh, who's it through? I, I forget who it's through, but it's called uh, Deep to Left uh, after his home run. I thought that was a pretty clever name as far as podcast names go. 
I like that. That's cool for for his home run. So if I was gonna go with my favorite Yankee call, I'm gonna go with the old reliable. I'd like to thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee. I want to get that sign, throw it up uh, behind the pot over here. Yeah, the Joe DiMaggio. That was Joe DiMaggio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 pretty fire quote. Mainstream, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, no. Gag was uh, happiest man on the face of the year, or luckiest man. On the yeah, face that was that was his speech. Yeah. yeah. What was yours, Damon? I I had two. Um, the one, the first thing I thought it was funny because it not it's not a funny quote, but it's funny because it's it's from uh, you know the movie Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Yeah. The you know where he says like, "Why do the Yankees always win?" It's because the other team can't stop looking at the pinstripes. <laughs> And I, I like, I love that quote. I feel like, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. That's a really good one. Um, and the other one was just like a classic Derek Jeter one when he said, my office, my office is at Yankee stadium and dreams do come true. I think that's just, that's just yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, it's such a Jeter thing. Yeah, it is. I love that. On the Jeter thing, actually late entry. Uh, also Derek Jeter. So this is Stan's. Oh, that is a fire quote. That's up on the wall. Have you ever been to stands? So this is stands. You ever been to stands? You walk in on on the left. They have this big mirror, and it makes the place look like double the size. And uh, over it just says, so this is stands, dash Derek Jeter. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. That was, like, the first thing. First time I went to stands, that was the first thing I saw when I walked in. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. All right, next question comes to us from Seamus O'Neill. And he says, is Estrada versus Wade the most underrated and exciting camp battle to watch? I think low-key, yeah, because obviously most exciting, underrated. Yeah, because, I mean, Estrada was so good for us whenever he was called upon. He's been awesome, and we are obviously the, the Tyler Wade fan club here. I don't know. I, I, mean, I honestly, I'm going to give the nod to our guy Wade just because we're the Tyler Wade fan club, but... Estrada's is yeah. we're the Tyler Wade fan club. I'm the Tyler Wade fan club. I'm yeah. also in the Tyler Wade fan club. You weren't last Whatever. year. I, I was I last think, year. No, you were not. Okay. I was a lo- I it was a one man uh, wolf pack in the Tyler Wade fan club last year. Oh god. Um I don't know. Estrada looked really good when we saw him play uh, on Saturday. Um, he, he reminds me of Starling Castro. Yeah, he does and he looked really smooth in the field and um I think exciting. I don't. Know, it's. I don't know if it's like very exciting because you know the middle infield is pretty much locked up at this point. Uh, but underrated for sure. I think it's definitely an underrated matchup uh, because there are two players who often get overlooked but are always fighting for a spot in the roster. Um, I'd probably give the nod to Wade as well because he has more to offer. He's got the speed and the fielding, and he's trying to figure out the bat. So um, probably come you know opening day if there is some sort of uh, extra um, you know matchup between the two I think Wade gets Wade gets the nod. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely not the uh, battle that everyone has been paying attention to as much or looking at like like you said not the sexiest position battle backup second baseman but i think yeah wade just brings a lot more to the roster in terms of pinch running he can play the outfield if you really need him to and i think his bat just has a little more pop to it uh when he can actually come around on it yeah a couple other things i wanted to talk about that aren't dm related did you guys see rizzo and bryant when they were mic'd up when they were they were, they were mic'd up when they were hitting I'm not sure if you guys <laughs> saw it but when when rizzo was up there he was mic'd up and he was saying like oh like what do you what do you think what do you think you're going to get Said I have no fucking idea. Anyone will give me a bang, <laughs> like, like the Astros bang. And then he actually said, like he predicted the pitch. He's like, I haven't seen a fastball in a while, so he cruised the fastball that was up, which proves if you know what's coming, you're gonna hit it. He obviously he guessed it just based on his mental math, whatever the fuck it is. But that was funny. And then Bryant came up to the plate, and Bryant went up to the catcher. He said, Hey, I'm mic'd up. So basically, I'm stealing the signs or <laughs> something along those lines. And it was just really funny because everybody's just chatting at the Astros. And I just love it because it's going to be all season long, not only from the fans, because you saw another fan that was chirping Jose Altuve the other day, mm-hmm. just saying, give the MVP back to Judge. But it's just going to be nonstop. It's just going to be nonstop. Do you, uh, you see what Bauer said? Well, Bauer was just giving the signs. Yeah, exactly. He was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'll just give you the signs before I throw them. What's the difference? No, he's like, so you can't steal them. So I'm just going to tell you the signs. So he was signaling with his yeah. mitt, like when you do in, in a bullpen session. 
And he was just yeah. every single pitch too. It was like a six pitch at bat, and he gave him the curveball, the slider, the the fastball, the changeup, everything. So funny. Yeah, it's a pretty badass move. I loved it. And I mean, he almost hit a home run, the guy. But I mean, it, even if he did, that would be, but that would kind of prove Bauer's point. Like, <laughs> it's just so funny that he just is so out of his mind. Like, what is he gonna do next? What could he possibly do next? He literally just is. T- he's telling him what pitches are coming. Next, yeah. he's just gonna underhand it to them, have them hit a home run every single time in the middle of a playoff. Oh no, game. no, no! I think I think it was that, but I think it was also kind of like a big dick move. Like he's like, here, here comes a fastball, hit it. Like a dare. Yeah, you. definitely. Yeah, it's definitely. a big dick move, and it's also a chat at the Astros. So it's a oh, win, yeah. it's a win win win. That's what I'm saying. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us. You guys have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's good. Uh, no, I think it's good. All right. Anyway, just that'll end the show for us. Episode 23. Make sure you guys give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you think we deserve it. I think we do, hopefully. But we definitely appreciate those. And every time you guys write a review, we read them. And we appreciate more than you guys could even imagine. Make definitely makes us want to make more of these and keep them coming out. But uh, definitely follow us on all social media platforms we actually just acquired a new page i'm not sure if you guys have seen it already but it's called 161 media we're going to be doing a lot more of the the highlights and uh, daily lineups and final scores and stuff along those lines as well as the podcast stuff on that page but on the regular podcast page we should be doing a lot of podcast content on there the occasional video a little funny stuff but that's how we're going to structure it going forward on the social accounts we also have a lot of fun stuff coming for you planned. We have the MLB The Show is coming out. So myself and our uh, Red Sox fan friend, Matt, is going to be doing a show called The Rivalry. It's a little MLB The Show Diamond Dynasty game mode we're going to be doing. We'll give you a lot more information on that when it becomes available. We have a lot of box breaks opportunities coming out for you guys with baseball training cards. Obviously, explain more if you guys don't know what that is later on down the road. But basically, we just got a lot of content coming at you guys, and we're looking forward for you guys to look forward for you for you guys to see it so as always thank you guys for listening you're the real ones who have made it this far have a nice day let's go yanks let's go yanks yo yo let's go yanks the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done